It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from the Times. It's our third episode of the season. I'm Gabriel Marcotti. We're going to do things a little bit differently because we're coming to you on a Tuesday, given that uh, on Monday it's a holiday here in uh, in the United Kingdom. So rather than looking at the individual games in detail, which we normally do, uh, we're going to start by looking at what the season has thrown up so far, our, our expectations for the six biggest clubs plus the defending champions, and of course... Joining me this week, once again, it's Julian Lawrence, James Scowcroft, coming to us from deepest, darkest east, somewhere between Norwich and uh, wherever it is he lives, and Matt Dickinson coming to us just before the exciting Ryder Cup golf press conference, I suppose. Yes. Who loves golf here? Nobody. Okay, good. Good. (laughs) Very good. Right, so the transfer window closes in a few hours. I'm going to put a clock on this, and we are quickly going to go through the six traditionally biggest spending teams, the big six. Yes, please feel free to accuse us of not paying enough attention to the smaller clubs, as well, of course, as the defending champions, simply because they are defending champions, and because rumor has it they're spending zillions now just before the close of the transfer window. Let's start with you, Dicko. What do you make of what Leicester have done this summer? Losing Conte and, and trying to strengthen the squad and, and being credible. Well, losing Conte, obviously, big loss for starters. Um, keeping Vardy, uh, keeping Mares. I mean, to be honest, I, I suspect given where we thought they were going to be a couple of months ago, that's just in credit. I think we thought you know, the Vardy obviously had the chance to move to Arsenal, so they could be in a worse position. I think their dilemma is obviously that the fact that they've got the Champions League demand, they want a bigger squad to cope with that. But let's be real, that's going to be a one-off season. They're not going to finish in the top four this season. The, 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 champion, the Champions League is almost a, yeah, it, it's, it's a one-off for them. If, if they're being sensible, they plan uh, that the Champions League is a bit of a bonus. Uh, they, they give it a shot, but let's actually count ourselves as a mid-ranking Premier League club. And that sounds really, really miserableist of me, but I'm afraid that's the real world. Scoey, are you as negative about the way they've uh, retooled? As uh, Dicko is, I did, I did start with a positive, by the way. So, <laughs> no. yeah, I mean, Considering I agree. They're, in, they're in credit, I think if you look at the big three, Vardy, Kante, and, and Mares, to lose just one of them, I think was a bonus. I think they, there was a chance where they could have easily lost two. I don't think they'd have ever lost all three. So I, I think that's a plus. You know, it, it's hard for them to get players in because, you know, like I say, they're in the Champions League. They've got this, that, and the other going on, but they can't quite attract the elite. So they're sort of having to, you know, in their scouting department, Steve Walsh has left to go to Everton. So it's been a lot of chaos 
this summer for them, but I think so far they've dealt with it very well. Julian? I obviously agree with, with Dico and, and Scoey there. I think if they do Slimani and, and Adrian Silva from Sporting, which again is they've been linked with, especially Slimani for a long time, I, I do think they need someone up front. Uh, you know, oh, come on, another one? They, got, they, they, they have Vardy, he's having a okay. party, Okazaki, Slimani, no, okay. Vardy, uh, Musa. No, how many Musa, Musa, I think, would play wide more more, and, and give them something different. I think Slimani, for all the competition that, that, that coming up, I think Slimani would be a very good addition to the squad. I'm, yeah. I'm more keen on Adrian Silva, not just because he's half French. He's a very clever midfielder. I think, again, they could do with someone like him. Drinkwater has been great, but who knows if he well, can have they, the they, same they season. They got Nampolis too. They got Mendy and give him a bit of time. Because I, I, I saw some people being a bit already a bit harsh on him. Because he's a funny name. Because he's got a funny name, and because it's hard to replace Conte. And again, Mendy being French, he, he has to be amazing. But he needs a bit of time as well. Coming from Nice, you know, and and Monaco before that to Leicester, oh. playing the Champions League, everything is different. So they're in a good place if they can add one or two more. Dicko. Okay, you can give you can give one word answers. Uh, Scoey and Julian, please start thinking about this so that you don't um and awe ah when I come to you. Your best case scenario for Leicester this season? Oh, best case, I would say oh, six. Absolute best case. Worst case scenario? Um, I don't think they'll come below twelve. I'd, I mean, I asked me gun to my head to start the season. I think I'd have said about um, ninth. All right, Scoey. Best case scenario, fifth. Uh, worst case scenario, tenth. Julien? Go fifth as well. Best, best scenario. And worst, 11. Okay. I wouldn't write them off, Gab. Don't, don't write them off. I still think they're a good footballing team. I, I'm not writing them off. Somebody else just did. Well, <laughs> um, I'm, tell, I'm telling you personally not to write Leicester off. By putting them in the top half, by the way, we're saying, I mean, there was, um, as, as, as my colleagues won't want reminding, most people had them tipped for relegation last season. So, you know, even talking about them as a top, top half team is... Um, yeah, shows shows how far they progressed. This concludes our Leicester segment. Now it's on to Arsenal. Scoey, we're going to start with you. So he signs Granit Xhaka way early, then all the defenders seemingly get injured. Then he signs Skodran Mustafi. Okay, we saw him play in the World Cup. He comes from Valencia as a pedigree. And then he signs Lucas Perez, who everybody's hugely excited for. No, not really. It, it just seems like such an, such an odd one that... This is a guy who played on the wing much of his career, and then he sort of played as a striker last season, scored a ton of goals. But he is 27. He spent a big chunk of his career in places like Karpati Lviv uh, and, um, and Pauk, and Depot's not much better. What's your take? Uh, desperation. Uh, just, just really strange goings on, isn't it, at, at Arsenal? I have to say, these clubs have known for a long, long time they need to strengthen and need to and why they do it at the last minute I do not know time will tell it's, it's too early to, to judge any players half of them I haven't even heard of so Dicko I, I have seen a lot of Mustafi I think he's a, he's a good player Lucas I don't know I'm guessing Lucas is more of a he's not really the striker they were looking for perhaps but maybe he's really just kind of the guy who's going to fill in for Danny Welbeck since he's presumably not coming back until next year are, are you as negative as Scoey about Arsenal? I, I think it's hard not, not to be I mean as you say Granit Xhaka he's already looking like you know an absolute bona fide signing so that's you know they're in credit on that but I, I think there's just so much sense of Arsenal just going around in, in sort of ever decreasing circles isn't there we're into a last year of a Wenger contract you can almost hear that record being played around and around and again he's, he's got the chance if he wants to stay on certainly we wrote uh, a month or two ago. You know, he can he he could have sort of forced through a new contract whenever he wants. But of course, it's against the backdrop of 
already um, after that Liverpool defeat. Oh, blimey. Oh, sorry, there's just a, a bin man next to me. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Um, he the, is fully uh, dressed, right? Those weren't all my bottles. <laughs> it feels like you know, this is the Groundhog Day Club, isn't it? And we're, here we are again. We're, we're thinking, well, he's done one good signing, but then there's a couple of panics. He's not really gone out and just gone bang. Here is the world-class, no. absolute world-class players that are going to make Arsenal definitively better in two or three departments. Mm-hmm. I worry about up front. As you say, Welbeck can come back, but is Giroud going to have, again, one of those seasons where he's sort of, well, frustrating? Here we are again and again and again and again and again and again. Okay, yeah, you know what? When people come out saying like, "There's a sense that there was a sense that Leicester were going to get relegated last season," now y'all being so negative about Arsenal, uh, Julian, help me. They finished second last season. They added a very good defender. They added that defensive midfield everybody was banging on about that they needed. What's the problem? I don't know. I'm excited. I'm quite excited. I want to see Lucas Perez, and maybe he's going to be a flop and a fraud and. And you know how much I love the, the word fraud. And, and then we said, oh, but they should have gone for Vardy because clearly Paris is not the first choice, right? Okay, we, we all know that Vardy was the number one on their list. They missed out. Lacazette was probably number two on the list. I think Higuain was probably somewhere on the list. They thought it was too much money. Luck for Lacazette. Whereas they were used by, by Vardy probably and a bit by Mares as well to get new deals. But let's see what he does. You know, maybe it would be... A, he's not going to start a, though, is he? I don't think he's going to start, but I think okay. he could come in, replace Giroud for certain games to give Giroud a, a break because I do think that when Giroud plays too much you know he, he struggles more and we saw that last year when he didn't score for three months and I think Mustafi is great and I think if they're solid defensively offensively with Alexis and and Ozil in the form they were for example on Saturday they're then they're good, good exactly. but does anyone, does anyone think does anyone think I mean in the broader context I mean you say Arsenal came second last year they came second to Leicester City and they came second in the worst Premier League you know, I mean, Man United, Man City, Chelsea. I mean, there were just weird things happened last year. Um, best case for Arsenal, I think, uh, is best case is third. Worst case? Uh, worst case is sixth. Scoey? Best case second. Worst case sixth. Julian? Best case has to be first and and worst sixth as well. What did you say, third? First and sixth. Oh, first and sixth, thank you. We're going to move across North London to Tottenham right now. Uh, obviously, uh, Jansen, Wanyama, maybe somebody else is coming in. And Kudu from Marseille. You forget him. Yeah, we were very excited for him, yeah. <laughs> well, Julian, why don't you start then and tell us, like, Jansen certainly divides opinion. Is this what Poch needed? I'm not sure. I think he needed cover for, for Kane, that's for sure. I just didn't think they would go for someone like Janssen, who... Who's not particularly athletic. No, athletics. Doesn't likes. seem to fit the style of play that Pochettino wants. Again, it's very early in the season. I don't, I don't want to be too negative about him. I'm, I'm just not very impressed so far. He missed some chances that even Yuga probably would have scored. Thank you. Even Scorey would have scored those. So I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think the pace of Nkudu, who's a young player, people won't know about him, okay. but I think... You know, it, it could have a, a bigger impact than Clinton Engie, which I know is not difficult. The guy's injured. What's he supposed to do? He can't walk. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. All right. But, but yeah, I'm a bit disappointed, though. I thought they would do more business considering they're back in the Champions League. I thought they would do their business earlier. And I'm still, I still think that, you know, they could have... Strengthen a bit more. Predictable negativity about Tottenham no way, from, from Julian. No way. I um, love Bosch. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd, just, I'd, be, I'd be a little bit frustrated at the moment. I, you know, there's plenty of reasons for optimism with what Pochettino set up, what he's building. They've been one of the, the great sort of positive stories of, of last year, and there's clear trajectory. And uh, unlike Leicester, I've got more chance of maintaining that trajectory. But it's, uh, 
given given all that they've got going for them and and the, the good fortune in having a manager like that, you would just if I was a Spurs fan, I'd just be wanting them to to push on uh, a bit harder. Scully, you were a Jensen type striker uh, in your in your playing days. It doesn't make sense <laughs> to play Harry Kane behind Jensen. No, Harry, Harry Kane's proved himself, hasn't he? For me, Harry Kane is is a fantastic. You know, number nine centre forward. I think he's been a revelation the last two seasons. Play your players in their in their best positions. You know, he is adaptable. I think you could put him out wide. I think he could cut right. in off the left hand side. He likes that little whip of his right foot, doesn't he? And he can link the play up. But Harry Kane is best as a number nine. Uh, I think we all remember that. I think it was a season, not yep. last season, the season before, where he absolutely ran John Terry ragged as a number nine, and, and that, that is him. You know, he's very okay. skillful, but he can also... So a lot of bench awaits you, Mr. Jansen, if Scoey has his way. We need to move, to, we, we need to wrap this up. Best case, worst case scenario, Julian? Second and six. Dicko? I would say third. Third and six. Go with Matt. Third and six. All right, a little bit less love there. And look, we've got a full six seconds, five seconds to spare. I think Pochettino signed a lot of players and tried to build a squad with the type of players he likes, not necessarily the best players, but players who fit what he wants to do. Moving on now, it's Manchester City, the big Pep Guardiola revolution. We'll be talking Joe Hart later. We don't necessarily need to get into him now. But first of all, Dick, I'm going to start with you. How hugely excited are you about this? Uh, what about I mean, he's excited about and their moves him. in the summer? About their moves? Well, I think we've seen already that you know he's. Uh, I think Guardiola said himself how delighted he's been with how things have sort of stitched together. You know, I think he thought it might take um, take longer. That you know, certainly bringing different players. Um, Nolito looks like he's sort of just come in and 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 and, and just taken to it um, so quickly. Uh, the whole you know his system. I mean, I'm not saying anything sort of completely refined the way a perfectionist like him would want it. Um, but, it, you know, they're, 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 they've started very, very brightly. Uh, I think that probably transfer-wise, and we're going to see this with, with Aguero if he's um, suspended, is do they have enough backup for him? Especially, obviously, uh, I mean, I think Boney's been a, a, a dubious signing for them anyway. But up front, do they have uh, do they have sufficient backup? It's, and maybe I mean, it's centre-back too, right? We've seen that Guardiola can play. Um, I mean, he's pretty resourceful in playing without a striker. Um, we've seen that enough times. Well, so. at centre-back too, right? They're a little light maybe behind yeah, Stones and Otamendi? Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I well, think there's, despite there's, my there's, there's, huge love for Kolarov. He's, he's, he's resourceful enough as a coach that you, you can imagine him sort of getting by without a striker. But as you say, at centre-half, maybe that's a weakness. But I think... There's so much more that he will want want to do. We're only just seeing the beginnings of it. Scoey, we still haven't seen Gundogan and um, and Sané. Leroy Sané, and we might not see Sané because Sterling seems totally regenerated. I, I just want to ask you, get get I me. Mean, we spoke about City, but I want to get you on on Sterling. When you have a man, when you have a, man, a player who just plays so much better under a different boss, is that down to the boss, or is it down to the player, or? Shouldn't that be the, the first task of a manager, to make the players he has better? Yeah, uh, I think it's down to both. I think it's down to the player and I think it's down to the manager. It's man management skills, isn't it? And he's, he's obviously got it. He's, he's dealt with world-class players for a long time now. And he's obviously looked at Raheem Sterling. And there's a massive fine line to management. And it's when to put your arm around someone and when to give them a kick up the backside. I don't actually know what route Pep's gone down, but he's gone down the right one. Um, he's probably got some in- insight information on the lad, probably on his background. I, I would imagine looking um, that it's an arm around the shoulder and he's told him he's brilliant, he's this, that and the other. 
And every player, you know... Wait, sorry, does that mean Pellegrini was telling him, look, you're, you're, you're rubbish? Well, there was a lot of negativity around the lad, wasn't there, with, with Man City, with right. England. And I think it just needed someone to sit him down, put his arm around and say, look, you're a young lad, you're a very, very good player, you're going to play for me every single week. You just build it up. I've seen it time and time and time with managers, um, man mm. management skills, and they are as important as coaching knowledge, tactical... My management skills are so important. Julian, I just want to chuck it back to actually to small section about what happened this weekend because I was struck by something Guardiola said. He talked about how brilliant they played, all the chances they created. It's all true. And then he says, well, and West Ham scored the only way they were going to score with the ball into the box with a header simply because they're taller than we are. I kind of want to say, yeah, most teams in the Premier League are taller than you. Should that be a little concern? And if you know how they're going to score, why didn't you try to prevent it? For example, you know, you put Clichy a left back and you know that Antonio probably play on his side and you know he's much bigger and stronger than him because if you put Collar up there Antonio's just going to run away from him exactly and, and you know that Collar has more chance to get the ball in the air against Antonio than Clichy and then the ball comes to Antonio in the air and then obviously he jumps over <laughs> Clichy and scores the goal and afterwards you said well I knew they were going to score like this so it's interesting because he seems to to, to have a, 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 a game plan so perfectly prepared that he even, he even knows how they're going to concede goals but yeah it's if you knew, then you should have done something a bit different. However, I'll, I'll I just maybe, love the guy. I think yeah, he's we, a genius. We, we need to defer to his genius. Yeah. Uh, uh, best case, worst case? First, obviously. And, and worst, fifth? Scoey. Worst case scenario, they've come first. Best case scenario, they come sixth. Uh, sorry, the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, from a United perspective, yes, exactly. actually, your answer was accurate. Move on to Manchester United. One place to start with the man who writes for United We Stand and who tries to promote their podcast on a rival podcast or other podcasts. I'm, I'm joking. Actually, in all seriousness, do give United We Stand a listen. I'm told it's very good, even if you're not a United fan. How do you feel about this? Pogba, Ibrahimovic, Bay, Mkhitaryan, Mourinho. Well, going back to the Raheem Sterling effect, what he's also done is he's got the players there that haven't really sort of been there and thereabouts. He's got the best out. And David Blind so far has had an absolutely fantastic season. So not only has he come in and stamped his mark and he's got four excellent players in way before you know any deadline day rush or anything like that, he's also improved what he's got, which I think is a good sign of a manager. Baye, the centre-half, centre looks an absolute revelation at the moment. Still undecided about Ibrahimovic. I'm not quite sure he can go the full distance. Dicko. Yeah, mostly, mostly with Scully on that stuff and um, agreeing with him on, on Zlatan. I mean, I wait when he scores 40 goals and they win the title um, and, and I think they could well win the title. Um, I'm sure... He's on um, pace to score 38 goals, by the way. But, but anyway, you know, he's, uh, but I just think, you know, there was, there was, I was really mixed when they signed him. Part of me, you know, I mean, it is Zlatan Ibrahimovic and he brings the whole you know, charisma, uh, as well as his skills to the league. Equally, there was something that sort of throwing all that money at a guy of his age. And I, I don't know, There was some, I, I felt conflicted about whether I was thrilled to see him in the Premier League. This is Mourinho so far, the, the good Mourinho, you know, early into a reign. He had months to think about this job. He clearly had prepared it very, very carefully. As you said, Tyrion is going to prove a very, very good signing. He came, you know, absolutely certain of how he wanted to set that team up. He became certain of a new centre-back signing. He's got Luke Shaw back. You know, there's just pieces are all fitting very neatly. You know, it's as if he's been manager for six months. And um, so that's that's the good sign of Mourinho. We'll we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, actually, I agree with Dicko. I think Luke Shaw maybe hasn't been spoken about quite enough. I think if he's if he obviously again, Robert if he stays fit, he can have a huge impact. 
Julian, are you? Are you, are you I mean, you, you must be excited. You get to see I, Pogba yeah, close, man. and you get one more year of Slatan. Yeah, exactly. Slatan, you know, PhD God, and 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 he's just, but, he's also a God to the people of Sweden. Yes, indeed. No, no. I think, like like we said last week, I think or the week before, they they got the right players, and I don't know how much credit Woody deserves or not, but they got the right player at the right time. Finally, after years of messing their recruitment, and it's just it looks it looks on paper perfect. It looks like they've got everything to win this league, and and Mourinho has been great. I was not so excited by the performance on on Saturday. I thought the lack it was raining. I know, but come on, it was a wet, and, windy and, afternoon, and, and that's where you saw also Ibra on Saturday, and then that's where I, I in agreement with Corinne and Dico is that. I don't know if he can if he can last the whole season. He certainly I've had even if he scored already, he's had more games despite the goals where he was not at his best by far than where he was, which is maybe a good thing because today would be at his best and he'd be even better. It looks great for United. Let's see how long it lasts. Gab, should I tell you United's biggest problem? United's biggest problem, Mourinho's biggest problem is Wayne Rooney. What to what to do with Rooney? Because Rooney's not quite firing at the moment. He did unbelievably well for for the winner. But Rooney could become a little bit of a problem. Would you drop him? Not at the moment, I wouldn't. But I think at some stage, I can't see him. He, he just seems burnt out to me. And he has right. done for a while. Poor Waza. Come on. Dicko, best case, worst case? Best case, uh, definitely first. Uh, I'd say, yeah, worst case, fourth. Julian? One and fourth as well. And Scoey? One and three. Right, let's move on to Liverpool, who won it five times, of course, uh, which is what, uh, two and a half times? Or no, no, sorry, it's uh, 40% more than what than the number of times United have won it, right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You, yes, that's right. You're just pointing that out there, Scoey, just to get you fired up. So tell me about We're Klopp. About transfer window, aren't we? Will it be a Klopp-tastic Ooh. season? I just think it's, it's typical. I think Liverpool against the, the top teams are a real threat, a real force. You know, I actually think Klopp's a very good manager. Again, going back to man management skills, I think he's a motivator. I think he can get his players up. It's the games against the smaller teams that have been Liverpool's Achilles heel, and it still looks the same. You know, the, the Bernie defeat just sums it up. Do, Dicko, do you like the transfers? Because, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were like, wait, so who the hell is Ragnar Klavan? And Carius and something you, you get you go to the dentist for. And, yeah. you know, you, you put these things together, and yet he seems high on them. With those signings, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to wait and see. I don't think, um, uh, as you say, you, you would you would back Klopp's uh, wisdom. I'm sure Liverpool fans are, but I think you know I, I can't sort of rubber stamp them because I just don't don't know enough and haven't seen them play enough in in this league. I think the, the fact that they're not in Europe is is probably as big a factor for Liverpool as anything. Which, given the way Klopp sets up his teams and what he demands from his teams, is is it is, is, could be a boon for them. Um, I think that without without that. I think he's got more chance to sort of stamp his style on it, um, to, to spend more time coaching them, um, and I think I think that that could be key, especially if he's trying to um, say assimilate, assimilate players we don't know a lot about at the moment. Julian, do we potentially have a, a storage issue as well? Obviously, not potentially. We do have a storage issue, uh, and you could see the face he was pulling on Saturday during the game, where you could see that he was not going to c- come off until the like late, late, late stage of the game. He was not happy. I don't think Klopp is happy. I don't think I, I agree with Klopp. Why do we know what st- the actual problem is? He's just not happy because he's not playing. Well, he thinks what? he should play centrally and not wide. Well, sorry, we, sorry. Is there anybody in this room who does not think, or or uh, in this podcast, who thinks that? Daniel Sturridge is better wide than he is central. Nobody? I didn't think so. So it's only Klopp. <laughs> no, but the idea for Klopp is that 
players should be able to play in different positions. It's not because you'll start initially on the right-hand side or the left-hand side that you can't move centrally and switch with Firmino, switch with Coutinho, switch with Mane. It doesn't mean that you have to stay along that uh, touchline for the whole 90 minutes. So what's the problem? If even if even if they start three up front, Coutinho, Firmino, Sturridge, doesn't mean that Sturridge can't play chunks of 15, 20 minutes in the centre and then move again wide and then come back centrally and then move again wide. What's that flexibility? Is all about well, football nowadays. Well, no? but let's let's remember that you know I mean, say, for example, I mean one of Wayne Rooney's best seasons in terms of the medals he won was effectively doing a load of wide running for, for Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, I know Ronaldo's a special player, but that was the role that he was asked to do. He was asked to do a lot of donkey work, and, and he did it, and he got on with it, because Ferguson but, persuaded him it was worth his while. Now, I think the issue with Sturridge is less about Sturridge the footballer, is what's in Sturridge's head. You know, Klopp yeah. needs him. Klopp needs him to do a role, and in some ways, I think, you know what, he's challenging him to say, look, you think you're a genius, but you know what? I'm going to challenge you to show that you're a team player. And I think it, this is, say, less about whether Sturridge is better here or better there. Of course, he's better as a number nine. But there are times when a manager wants... Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times. And it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. To say, look, I don't care how good you're at number nine, I need you to do this job. And as I say... Yeah, Wayne Rooney did that job very diligently for Man United. Did he like it? I'm sure he didn't. This is an issue of sort of attitude and, and, and managerial control. I, I'd suggest maybe also the difference, though, with Rooney that season is it's one thing if you're asking Rooney to go play wide because the greatest goal scorer in the history of modern football will be playing down the middle with Cristiano Ronaldo. And if it's not him, you'll have Berbatov and, and, and whatever. Now you're asking him to go play wide so that freaking Roberto Firmino, who's not even a center forward, can, can run through the middle. I mean, Scoy, that's got to be a bit of annoying, right? You were a center forward. Yeah, but I think Matt's right. You, you know, it's, you have to be adaptable in this, in this day and age. You know, the 4-3-3, it, it just looks like a player that's not happy. Um, and like a game, we go back to Raheem Sterling. It needs but, a clock to think, right, how can I get the best out of you? How can I convince you that... You are such a big part because when he's fit and when he's firing Daniel Sturridge, he's a top top player in my opinion. I need a quick best case, worst case, Julian. Best case, second. No, first, first. No Europe to the first and worst seven. Dicko. Uh, best case, third. Uh, worst case, uh, seventh. And Scoey. Uh, best case, second. Worst case. Seventh. All right, well, seventh would be higher than what they finished last year. Yep. So surely that the, I guess you all see an improvement in Liverpool. Uh, let's talk Chelsea. New manager Antonio Conte. Thus far, just the two signings, Michi Bacuay and um, N'Golo Conte. There, there, there could be more uh, signings. So Tony Evans who used to be on this podcast. He referred to a, an unnamed friend of his who said that Conte was just a less intelligent Mourinho. Dicko? I think that's a bit rude, but I think one thing that is sort of quite interesting about seeing Chelsea compared to City and United is you know, how much change there is at City and we've already seen how much more there will be. You know, United are being sort of, you know, turned into a Mourinho team very quickly and we all know what that means and there'll be, you know, lots of wins and lots of you know, conflict. I think the Chelsea, what's almost in, most interesting is, is how they're trying to sort of 
not changed very much at all. I mean, I think there's there's a four two three one. There's uh, you see, you know, William at the weekend buzzing around, sticking a goal, doing what he does. You saw Hazard coming in off 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 the left wing, coming in. You saw, you know, you've, we've seen Costa throwing his weight around. I mean, look, if you're Conte and you come in, you're going to build on the strengths that you find. But it's almost as if Chelsea are, are just trying to sort of go back to some kind of, you know, stability uh, with a Conte-like intensity, which is what they were known for under the best Mourinho days as well. It's almost as if Chelsea, are, uh, their sort of sort of revolution under their new manager is almost a, a sort of retro revolution compared to what's happening at the other big clubs. Julian, he doesn't really want to play 4-2-3-1. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. He wants to play 4-2-4. Is this team complete? No, and I think And that- how bad would it be if they don't get the defenders that maybe they need? Yeah, I think I think he knows they need a defender. I think I think they've tried and they, they're going to keep trying. I think a left back, probably someone like Marcos Alonso, something like that, and, and in midfield as well. The name of Brozovic, for example, has been mentioned. The Bras. The Bras, and and you and I, Gab, a, a big fan of him. But yeah, they they need they need more. But Conte knows that. You know, he's not stupid. Uh, but whoever said that it was a Mourinho, but less clever. I, I don't agree with you. Well, Mourinho's right? very, with, with very clever. So yeah. You're less clever than Mourinho. You can still He's be still very clever, I guess. But I think Conte knows that they, they still need people and, and their performances, despite the three wins, haven't been the greatest. At least, you know, on the whole 90 minutes or even 60 minutes, they've had good patches. They've also have difficult halves against Watford, for example. But you could see the progress. You could see the improvement. You could see what he's trying to do already. And like Dico said, you could see some players being you know, like almost new players. So I think that's good. They're not far away. Just a couple of signings, I think, and an improvement for being really, really, really in contention for the title. Scobie, Diego Costa is is still there. Conte's talking, or Conte's hinted at wanting to play 4-2-4. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Is it odd to you? Odd in a sense of... Yeah, odd in the sense that you're keeping this guy who's, you know, a, who could have been banned twice already this season. Uh, odd in the fact that Conte wants to play a system which very few people have successfully played since Brazil did it and to win the World Cup in 1970. And all these things that he's trying to affect a lot of change rather than just kind of coasting and saying, let me just get in the top four. And well, I think formation-wise, and I think this is something that Pep's got to be careful of as well, that you know the Premier League is such a strong league now that even teams at the bottom can come and set up and they can catch you on the counter-attack. So if you're going to play four up front, you're going to leave an unbelievable amount of space down the sides and you know players to to um, exploit that really. I think with, with Costa, I think he sort of represents the manager, doesn't he, with his passion and his energy on the side. I, I think Costa's one of these that you know will have good spells and then will get banned for three games and be you know he's a sort of the hero or the villain, isn't he? And whilst he's a hero, um, people you know especially Chelsea people will run with it. Right. About the four-two-four, it actually can be a very defensive formation if, if done properly because one of the amazing things if you ever see it play when it when, when it works you'll basically see the opposing fullbacks and defenders just sit all the time and there really is no space in the flanks because they, they're, they're too scared to come forward you can create overloads down the size gap can't you if you with who Players well with 4-3-3 three, three. So, so if you can get 2v1 so, so if you switch the ball very quickly and you can get a wide player and a fullback getting the other side of the, 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 the you're going to create a 2v1 at the sides that's great. So you have your two two v one on the sides. When you give the ball away, I boot the ball up the pitch. No, and no, it's but a four you're on three. talking about the next phase now. I'm talking about you can create two v ones. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it depends on the personnel and and, and the execution. Uh, Julian, best case, worst case. Best case, first, obviously, and, and worst case, fifth. Dicko. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think they'll win it, but um, they, they could be in the mix. Uh, I think they'll probably come about about third. Okay, so first and so third. First and third? Uh, no, I'll tell you. I mean, well, they could they could come fifth, but I think they'll uh, first okay. and fifth. But I think they'll come about third. Scoey? I think best case scenario is probably second if one of the Manchester clubs um, blows up. Worst case scenario, fifth. No Europe. Don't forget, no Europe as well. You can't underestimate how big it is not to play in Europe. It's International Week again. Just what we need to go and kill whatever momentum might exist at the start of the season. <laughs> England plays Slovakia. They play some other friendly too, I think. About, I don't even know against who. But I don't really care. I want to talk Sam Allardyce and... Uh, it's interesting because we, we we've discussed already on this podcast whether you know he was the right choice given the circumstances. I want to. It seems that everybody got into this this huge debate about Marcus Rashford very very quickly. Uh, Dicko, would we have been having this debate about Rashford if he hadn't scored the winner at the weekend? It certainly wouldn't have been as sort of um, pertinent a debate, would it? I mean, I, but I guess it just sort of shifted it shifted it on you know higher up the agenda. I mean, I think I think in an ideal world, England have got enough players that you know you don't need to, to call on a teenager who's who's sort of on the fringes of, of his first team you know um, and for, for a one-off game a one-off qualifier when you've got Burridge um, Vardy and Kane you probably you probably don't need him and, and, and having said that we'll be nil-nil against against Slovakia and oh, you negative des- Nellies come on des- desperate to throw on strikers but no I can see you know in an ideal scenario you don't have him because you do say look, he's, well, he's he's still a work in, in development. He's an ex- exciting player, and he's clearly of England senior caliber. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying he needs he must be in the under 21s, but I can see an argument where you think, look, if he's going to get game time in the in the under 21s, then that makes more sense than him twiddling his thumbs in Slovakia and not getting on the pitch at all. Yeah, Scully, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if he's not, I mean, you, you you've worked with with young players. If he's not going to get into the first 11, or he's not going to start for Manchester United. Uh, what's the point of also bringing him along to sit on the bench in, for, for England? Isn't it better that he'd be with the under-21s? Well, do you not think the experience of going with the England senior team I remember when Theo Walcott went to the World Cup in 2006 and it did wonders for his career, right? <laughs> well, he wasn't, he wasn't good enough. You know, Rashford's proved himself. He's proved himself last he's year. He's been to the Euros. To Why does he need to go to Slovakia too? You've got, you've got to make a big decision and drop someone and upset them and it's, oh, I better not do that. So I'll just leave young Rashford out because he's the easy one. You know, the boy is a real, real talent. Mourinho's got the same problem now because Rashford can give something different to Rooney and Ibrahimovic. But to drop one of those two is going to be a massive, massive call. But at some stage you'll have to do it because this lad is a real, real talent and I think it's a massive back step for England. Um, where's he going to go and play the, the community Western Colchester United Stadium now? You know, well done, England. He's 18 years old. I don't care how old is he. You know, it's, it, it's he proved in the, even when he came on against Iceland for the last 15 minutes, he sort of almost embarrassed Roy Hodgson on how good and what he could offer. I just think he can offer something that none of the other England players can, can do. And uh, uh, If I was Sam Allardyce, I think he's missed a big trick with that. I think y'all should stop freaking out over Rashford. Let him develop at his own place. Keep the pressure off him. Don't destroy him like you've done with other yeah, teenagers. Yeah, he's already developed. Got, sure this, oh, developed. No Play the lad. No, Play the lad. Play the lad. Yeah, that, 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 really, that was fantastic. It did wonders for Walcott. No, no. Hey, how many, well, well, how well, what has Walcott got with Marcus Rashford 10, 12 years you ago? With always, you, you always do this. You always do that. The guy's 18 years old. I think he started some like 17 games as a professional in his entire career, right? If Jose Mourinho thinks that for the time being he's not an everyday starter with with his club, um, then 
That's something you have to accept. If he's not playing regularly for his club, why not get him regular playing time with a set of teammates, by the way, who are more likely to be his teammates throughout his career as the under-21 squad develops? Why does he have to go to England, go with the England team and go and sit on the bench? I, I don't... It's just, just, it's just a good experience for him. He was part of the squad. As, you know, you also have. A, well, that was a, a fantastic squad. experience at the it's Euros, not about, wasn't it? It's, it's, that's not about that. It's about you know you you you've you've built the squad. Or they've built the squads, and I, and I think there's the idea of that continuity with the squad, which I think is important. And Deschamps, for example, with France, talks a lot about that. Even if your players is not in this best form, but yeah, if Deschamps, he's part of the, the squad, the, the oracle of football. No, yeah. but it's just you know it's just a point of view, and I agree with him. And I think there's what's wrong with Rashford joining in the squads, training every day with Rooney, with Kane, with Sturridge, with Vardy. What's wrong with that? That that, that will help his development as well. well. There's nothing wrong with that, even if he doesn't play in Slovakia and in a friendly, or even if he just plays ten minutes or five minutes. I, well, None I agree of those with people you mentioned, other than Sturridge, are likely to be in the England squad when he becomes a starter. By the way. Yeah, but that's that's no problem. I think it's more for the experience to be there. That's that's what happened at the Euros as well. But moving on to somebody more interesting than Rashford, the England keeper Joe Hart, uh, who's also a big man, almost as big as Big Sam. In fact, obviously we talked before about his situation at City. At this stage, I don't know because it's not done yet whether he's going to Everton or Sunderland or or Torino. There were certainly reports that he could be going abroad. So I I, I want to talk to you, Dicko, about the the principle of Joe Hart agreeing to leave the Premier League to go and to go and get playing time and choosing perhaps to do so abroad where he's going to he's going to be in a totally different setting. I know you know him a little bit. I mean, is he the kind of guy who's prepared for this? Well, I am a bit surprised to be honest. I mean, I think it's partly a reflection of the the sort of caliber of the other other moves he's getting and and maybe just feeling like, you know, it looks um, and it feels um, like a real step down to go to a, to a Sunderland and feel like you're in a, a relegation fight. I mean, I think there's probably a bit of ego involved in that. He has got an ego. There's no two ways about it. And um, I, I think, but I am, I am surprised just because I wouldn't necessarily see him as, as the type to, 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 to rush abroad. Um, uh, I didn't see him as that adventurous, to be, to be totally blunt. But so but this I, is a positive, right? I mean, when people often complain well, about posit- England players if, being coddled and so on, this is a guy a positive, who's challenging himself. It's a positive if he does prove himself open-minded. I mean, I've dealt with various players who moved abroad, and we've seen all extremes. Uh, you know, I was out in, spent a lot of time in Madrid with Steve McManaman, who you know was was just great and played in two Champions League finals and and embraced everything about the move. And I dealt a lot with Michael Owen, who had been there five minutes and was already desperate to get home. So, you know, it's very much... He did fine out there, Michael. He scored some goals, but you know, you could. He was hankering after coming home before he'd even unpacked his bags. So I I think I'd be fascinated to know which, if he does go to Torino, which approach Joe Hart takes. Um, uh, It's possible to succeed at your football if you still sit in the hotel room and, and, and eat fish fingers, but you'd like to think that guys who go abroad would, would, would go for the whole package. I don't know. I, you, you know Joe Hart better than I do. I'm surprised. That but I am surprised if, I'll be, if he goes for it. No, no, I'm saying I'm, 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 I didn't realize he was that, that sort of character. Moving on to quick hits. A reminder of the rules for those who haven't been on the podcast in a while, Matt Dickinson. 
Your answer must last 20 seconds. If you go over 20 seconds, you will hear an initial sound effect. And then at 25 seconds, you will hear another uh, initial sound effect. And after that, I will start shouting very close to the microphone and it's going to get all crackly and unpleasant. Whole City started very well despite their depleted squad. And suddenly it looks as if Mike Phelan might stick around. Uh, even when the new owners come in, which I'm told will be a couple weeks, no more than that. Uh, they're even making signings if, as appears likely, Will Keen, former uh, United Youth Product, and uh, Jeff Hendrick are on their way in. Uh, Jeff Hendrick, of course, from Derby, Republic of Ireland International. Scoey, do you like these signings as much as I do? I think they're interesting. I think Will Keane's an interesting one. He would have, regarding Rashford, if Will Keane wouldn't have uh, damaged his cruciate knee ligament in an FA Cup tie against Shrewsbury last year, Marcus Rashford, nobody probably would have heard of him. He'd be playing uh, for a whole team. was the next best player. So good luck to him. He needs he needs a home. Will Keane, Jeff Hendricks is a, a solid midfield player. So two okay signings. Everton, we're told, now have their very own billionaire owner, Farhad Mashiri, although there's all these wonderful stories about him like supporting other clubs and owning other clubs. It's a whole other story. Um, but Dicko, their transfer activity feels a little bit flat to me. Can you tell me why I should be optimistic about Mr. Moshiri? Well, that's a good question. I've got some family who are Everton fans, and they're endlessly asking questions, which sadly I can't always answer, about just what is going on with the ownership, um, the money behind that club. These are questions that have been going back a decade about who's putting money in, whose money it is, who's actually controlling the purse strings. And I think Everton have got a long, 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 long way to go to answer those questions. Southampton break their transfer record by signing somebody named Sofiane Buffal from Lille. Julian. Your thoughts? I'm so excited, Southampton fans, and every fan in the Premier League. The guy is the king of skills. He's Real Mares, but right-footed if you want. He's great. He's young. There's, there's still a lot of room for improvement. His decision-making is not always the greatest. But if you've been watching a bit of Ligue 1, I hope you have, he was on fire last year before getting a bit of an injury at the end. But great, great, great talent. Well done, Southampton. Is he the best player named Sofiane in the Premier League? For sure. Who is the other one? Well, I'll send Faguli around your house oh, to sort you out. Oof. I guess we'll find out soon if Sergio Aguero will be banned for that wayward elbow on uh, Winston Reed. In fact, news might already be out by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, but, Scoey, I'd imagine you've been in that situation before. Any sympathy? Would you ban him? I would ban him, yes. Three games, definitely. Um, so that he yeah. can miss the because he could miss the Manchester yeah, exactly. Derby, right? Yeah, yeah, the Manchester yeah. Derby, which will be a massive blow for Man City. I think it's tomorrow the FA have to make a decision. It's frustration, isn't it? He's, he's obviously a bit frustrated and he's lashed out at Winston Reid. Um, you can't do these things. There's cameras on cameras these days, so not good. Have you ever done that? Have you ever delivered a dirty elbow to a I, dirty I defender? 50 times worse than that as well. And it was, was it Martin horrific, and, I, and I regret it to this day. Who was it? It was against a player called Greg Harrison that played for Middlesbrough and played for Ipswich. And he was pulling my shirt. I was having a horrendous game. George Burley was getting on my back. And I've literally just swung out. And unfortunately, he was about four inches smaller than me. And it looks like I've gone to literally punch him in the face. And it looked horrific on TV. And it's something I, I even apologised to the lad six months later. And Nigel Pearson, who was the captain at the time, grabbed me by the scruff of the neck in the tunnel. I said, don't ever do that again. He at the moment. But Aguero, three games. See you later. West Ham supporters are pretty annoyed. And there were some funny internet rants doing the rounds after their elimination from the Europa League at the hands of Astra Gergio. Dicko, have they just been unlucky? Is Simone Zaza, he of the wonderful penalty at the Euros, really the guy to energize the Olympic, pardon, London Stadium? Uh, I was looking at his record. I'm sure, Gab, you know um, 
infinite detail on it. It's not that impressive, actually, is it? He's had a pretty mixed season, uh, mixed career, and he moved around a lot of places. Was it only only one goal in for Italy in, in a reasonable amount of perform, uh, appearances? So I, I think his record does not thrill me with fill me with with great hope for them. Well, he's not really um, prolific goal scorer. I mean, he's more of a busy type. Busy type, but I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, the way he's been shoved around a lot of places, yeah. never really settled. This idea of being out of Europe, we've decided is a good thing. So you could argue, um, in, with previous clubs, so you could argue, despite the fact they're going to lose money, that that's not the worst thing that's ever happened to their league places. Arsene Wenger says uh, plenty more money will be spent between now and the end of the transfer window uh, on a Wednesday night. Now, not presumably, I think he's talking in generalities, mm. Julian, yeah. not by him. Yeah. Uh, Julian, is he right? It's funny because we all hear about, oh, the massive money in the Premier League, 70% more in TV ranks. I can assure you transfer spending has not gone up 70% and won't do by the time it shuts. And it seems to me it's kind of hard to put a massive deal together in 48 hours. It is hard, but you can if you if you throw a lot of money and, and you know, if, if, if wedges and, and transfer fees are above the asking price if you want so I, I do think more business is going to be done a lot of clubs are looking for more players so they, they will they will spend more it's interesting though to see that when we all expected them to buy and buy and buy and spend and spend and spend they actually haven't been that much spending which is maybe something that we can look at Gab one for you oh god I can't believe I'm reading this <laughs> PSG played Monaco over the weekend and I know you were excited to see Unai Emery's new look PSG against a serious opponent. How did he go? Now, Julian, you don't really uh, follow PSG very, very no. closely, so uh, I'm going to bring in uh, <laughs> a special correspondent, Agent James Scowcroft, who uh, was actually at this game uh, in the south of France. Uh, Scow, you were there, because I, I, I believe you, you were visiting uh, Philip Green, right? I was indeed. You were yes. staying at <laughs> Philip Green's house? On his, on his yacht. Okay, so from what I saw... Uh, PSG were were pretty bad, and, and, and I I think that they're they're moving from being Ibra dependent to nothing. I think some of these guys have serious personality issues. Maybe they all deferred to Ibrahimovic last year, and now that they're asked to step up, it's not working. Uh, is that how you saw it? it just seemed a, a team that was very very talented. You can see the talent. You know, Di Maria at times was, was unplayable. Rabiot in midfield, extremely good. Um, but like I say, they, they, they just weren't knitted together. Cavani missed chance after chance up front. The body language of the team wasn't wasn't great. And, and Monaco were just far superior, really. So this big PSG global bandwagon has I think, hit the buffers a little bit, really. And I, I fear for them in the Champions League if they, if they play the way they did on Sunday night. The last 3-1, um, I don't fear for them because, frankly, I couldn't care less if they do badly. In fact, I might even enjoy it. Uh, give somebody else a go. But, um, That's so mean. Well, you, you, you've had your time, Julian. Hey, Scully, do, do you, is this a situation that, I mean, is that Unai Emery came in, of course, he, he's somebody who's almost like having a second, during a second life because he made his name at, at uh, Almeria and, and at Valencia, did really, really well. Uh, then he went to Russia and uh, had all sorts of problems. I think it was, was it Spartak Moscow? Spartan, yeah. Then he comes back and all of a sudden he's winning again. Does this look to you like, like a team with, with a very good manager? No, because the team looked unmotivated, but the, the manager at the side was very animated at the time. So it just looked like someone who didn't have control of his players. For example, he put Ben Arthur on with 20 minutes ago and Ben Arthur just didn't, didn't even move a muscle. So there's obviously uh, the players aren't, obviously have much fear of their manager really so 
I don't know too much about it. Julian would know more than me, but it seemed a team with big problems. No, it's a process. It's a new manager. It's a process. The formation has changed. The players have changed. Obviously, losing Ibra, you always, you will always going to to need time to adapt with, for life without Ibra. And Shall I tell you a funny story about Ibrahimovic? Right? Yes, yes. Come funny story. Funny <laughs> story from Skowie. Come out the stadium, and I see these kids outside a restaurant in um, there, and I thought, wow, you know, it's obviously some phone said Ibrahimovic was in the restaurant, so. He didn't go to the game. This was 200 metres from the stadium. But he, the, the, these old teammates, I don't know what's happened, but he's had a meal whilst the game's going on, whilst his old team are playing in the stadium 100 yards away. How, how do you That's know he amazing. wasn't in the game? Because he just finished his meal, and I, and I went in 10 minutes after the game. Or maybe he eats really, really fast. No, he didn't. Or maybe he, he left before the end. He, he was cool. Obviously, Mino Raiola, who is who lives in Monaco, lives in Monaco. So I'll, I'll send you a picture on Twitter, Gab, Mia Vibra. Oh, you took a picture with him? Yeah, That's I mean, amazing. Is he bigger than you? He is bigger than me, yeah. He's taller than me as well, which was... Uh... Disapp- disappointing. No, can, can, can I ask no, a question? Just... Cause I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Did you tell him who you were, or did he think you were just some random fan? fan. No, he, he had all security everywhere. He said, no pictures, no pictures. And I said, hey, brother, I'm a Manchester United fan. He said, for you, one picture. So he gave me one picture. Amazing. You said that? You didn't say, you didn't say, Ibra, I'm a former Premier League striker who played, I scored more goals than you in the Premier League. more than you did in the Premier League. Listen, we don't you all f- live in this bubble that you do, where we have blue ticks after a name on Twitter. Oh. Oh. Just give an AM real time, sometime, please. All right, we'll be sure to do that. I, I think, by the way, that I think you've scored, what, 20 times as many goals as Ibrahimovic has in the Premier League? I wouldn't swap my career for anyone, but if I could swap it with Ibrahimovic, I would possibly consider it. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And you'd be a black belt in uh, taekwondo, taekwondo as well, which I'm pretty sure you're not. And I'd be wealthier. I'd be wealthier than what I am now. <laughs> a lot wealthier. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, the excellent Julian Lawrence, the fantastic globe-trotting James Scowcroft, and uh, Matt Dickinson, who spent so much time in uh, Brazil and in the golf, that Dicko, come back. Football really misses you. Uh, remember, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. And also, please press the subscribe button on wherever you choose to download your podcast from. And uh, then you can hear us every single week without putting in too much effort. And we're going to be back in six days' time. Bye-bye. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>